0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 30th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The federal executive branch prohibition on many immigrants coming to the United States from seven majority Muslim countries is very likely illegal, but it's not, strictly speaking, a Muslim ban. Alex Narasta, an immigration policy analyst from the Cato Institute, separates fact from fiction. Several hashtags have emerged uh, on Twitter uh, and elsewhere characterizing the president's executive order on immigration as a Muslim ban. How fair is that?
1: It is unfair. These seven countries are only seven out of the, uh, I believe it's about 60 that have a majority Muslim uh, population. There are also seven countries I don't send that many immigrants to the United States to begin with. So, about 50,000 green cards a year, equal to about 5% of the total. And in terms of total visitors to the country, uh, these countries account uh, count for about 0.1%.
0: Alright. So, how fair is it then to say that these seven countries that have been singled out are countries in which uh, the president has Uh, No business interests.
1: Totally unfair. These seven countries are put together in a list of uh, state sponsors of terrorism, as well as a list of countries of concern by the Department of Homeland Security, and singled out in a 2016 law that put more security on visa waiver program uh, recipients. So that's not true either.
0: All right. So with respect to the list that was selected, these uh, seven uh, countries—I think most notable, Iran—but. The uh, the argument is made, well, he selected these countries, how fair is that?
1: That's not fair. He selected these countries. Uh, he didn't select these countries, but they cite a, a portion of the law uh, that has a list of these countries that were combined. Now, It's in, a relevant list. It's a relevant list. It's probably uh, an important list. Uh, it's also, I think, fair to say the reason why people are so confused about that is because he did talk about uh, a Muslim ban during his campaign, and Rudy Giuliani, former gov- uh, mayor of New York City, did put together a committee to try to find a way to make the Muslim ban legal. And so, at the same time as they're explaining this
0: is when this thing comes out. So, I think people have unfairly conflated the two. It is fair to say, then, um, that prohibiting uh, immigrants based on nationality is illegal.
1: My colleague, David Beer, has written a very persuasive op-ed in The New York Times about that, as well as a long Cato blog post. Uh, Basically, the argument is that the Trump administration is using a statute that was put in place in 1952, saying that the president can bar immigrants from any country or any other place for any reason, uh, pretty much. However, later statutes passed in 1965 and then reaffirmed in the 90s, and numerous court cases say, no, actually, the president can't do that, the president can't discriminate based on country of origin. Uh, my colleague Beer makes a very persuasive case in that regard, so we're going to see uh, exactly what happens in the courts with this. But this could be one area where the power of the president and the Congress to restrict immigration arbitrarily might actually be slightly,
0: um, slightly curtailed. So, uh, what are some of the costs associated with uh, this prohibition? Well,
1: I think some of the biggest costs are to uh, the United States' reputation abroad, the United States' reputation in its war on terrorism, as well as the costs of barring uh, refugees from this part of the world, from these countries, as well as illegal immigrants and uh, the the tourists who come here and spend a lot of money uh, from these places. Now, as I said before, the costs are not going to be gigantic because these countries just don't send many people to the U.S. in the first place, but the long-term cost, especially of a lot of uh, Iranians who are high-skilled people who are coming here for work, uh, that could add up over time. And If this ban is carried out for a very long period of time, I think our reputation in that part of the world will be very damaged. Um, But the real important thing is not just the costs of it, but what are the benefits And the benefits, uh, apparently, are very small. From 1975 to the end of 2015, there have been zero Americans killed in a domestic terrorist attack committed by nationals from any of these countries. Zero. So, while the cost may not be gigantic, the benefits are near zero.
0: Is it reasonable to argue that that is not a relevant statistic, because many of these countries are, with the exception of Iran, many of these countries are recently recipients of U.S. intervention?
1: Well, several of these countries have had terrorist problems for a very long time. Uh, Libya, has been a harbor of state terrorism for decades, Uh, going back to Muammar Gaddafi. Iran has. uh, Iraq, even during Saddam Hussein's time, offered asylum to numerous Palestinian as well as other uh, terrorists. Terrorists have been in Somalia since the early 90s. We all saw that movie Black Hawk Down uh, that mentioned that. Sudan harbored uh, Osama bin Laden for a period of time uh, back in the 1990s, prompting a U.S. bombing. Uh, Syria has also done the same. And Yemen has been a hotbed of unrest for uh, decades, going back to the 1970s. So these countries' problems are not new. Um, Their problems with terrorism are not new. U.S. involvement in these places is relatively new and I think has made these countries more unstable, uh, less likely to be friendly to us going forward. But what's remarkable is, given all the immigrants we've accepted over all the years, all the visitors from these places over the decades, uh, so little terrorism has resulted to the point where there have been zero American deaths and only 17 convictions. Two of the countries on this list, Libya and Syria, there have been zero of their foreign nationals even convicted for plotting or trying to carry out
0: a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. So, if we had to characterize what our odds of being killed by a terrorist from one of these countries versus being killed by a good old native-born American, what would the... What would the differential be there?
1: Uh, based on previous actions in the past and the history, you know uh, the uh, the difference is uh, near infinite. The chances of being k- murdered by an American on U.S. soil are far greater. Since 1975, it's about 1 in 14,000 chance a year. Your chance of being killed by a foreign-born terrorist, however, on U.S. soil in a terrorist attack is 1 in 3.6 million a year. And if you bar- narrow it down to a refugee on U.S. soil, the chances is to $3.64 billion a year.
0: Alex Narasta is an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.